How many times have you walked into a room and everyone is on a different screen? One person could be candy crushing, another swiping left on Tinder, while yet another is video chatting with Abuelita from across the ocean. Guys, this is real. This is reality today. And we no longer are just using our screens. We are drowning in our screens. In today's episode, I sit down with David Moreau, who's the author of the book, Drowning in Screen Time. And we talk about why men in particular are drowning in their screens and what we can do about it. Stick around. You are listening to the Becoming Men podcast. David, thank you so much for joining me. Glad, glad to be with you today. Hey, so I actually want to start with a quick story that I think will tie us into uh, some of the things that we're going to talk about today. Uh, I was just at the airport two days ago picking up a puppy and I decided to do something totally different this one time. I didn't get right on my phone when I was waiting for my flight. I literally just sat there and I was just watching the people going by left and right. People leaving a gate, entering a gate, coming off the airport, going on, whatever. And I'll tell you what, David, I'll be honest with you. I felt uncomfortable in about 3.3 seconds, but I held it. Okay. (laughs) I held it and I stayed there in that uncomfortable position for probably three minutes. And then I started to get super self-conscious, right? Because then I thought everybody was looking at me watching them and thinking that I'm just like people watching, or I'm just like this weirdo who's just looking up at people and following them as they're walking back and forth. And I I, immediately after that, after that thought kind of entered my mind and I followed that, I just got right back on my phone and I was like, you know, screw this. I'm just, I'm just going to join the crowd and do what everybody (laughs) else is doing around me at this airport. With that, David, please tell me what, what was going on inside of me. What, well, let me tell you what you were doing physiologically. You were resting your brain, which is something that every human being did regularly until about 2007. And so we, were, we were designed to not be stimulated by new things all the time. Our brains are designed to respond to novelty. And because novelty is something that you can eat or something that can eat you, a wolf coming out of the, the woods or, or uh, you know, men are hunters, right? And so we're designed to be looking for the kill all the time. Well, what our screens do, and particularly smartphones, is they give us a 24-7 supply of novelty, new things to look at. We constantly see wolves. And this is why why the news is so extreme, is because uh, news producers know that we respond to threats we're, we're uh, you know, we were designed to do it that way. And so what, what people are actually doing is when they're scrolling the Internet or they're just filling their brains with dopamine is they are looking for novelty because that gives our brains a dollop of pleasure. And uh, when you put your phone down, you were saying no to that. I'm going to exist in the real world. Mm. And if you can just hold out and use those times not to stimulate your brain or see the latest internet controversy or or catch up on the news if you can use those times for prayer if you can use use those times to be thinking of others praying for those around you that's a powerful time that you can reclaim as a follower of jesus and uh, that's what i encourage men to do you know reclaim that time don't give that over to fox news or cnn or Fortnite or whatever you do on your phone Uh, give those times back to christ and watch your faith increase you know, I want to actually point to a couple of things that you said there uh, that was extremely interesting. First of all, you mentioned the date or the year 2007. Is that because that's when like the real smart smartphone came out? That was when a uh, skinny uh, a man in a black turtleneck walked across <laughs> a stage in Cupertino, California <laughs> and uh, introduced a product called the iPhone. And okay. uh, that's that was really when we began carrying screens around with us in our pockets. Yeah, it was really the first, uh, you know, I mean, the very, for iPhone one, you really couldn't watch much video, but by the iPhone, you know, 3G, you really could. 
And yeah. uh, that, that that's about when we see this spike in depression, suicide, loneliness. Uh, well, because we're just not looking at each other's faces anymore. We are looking at the faces of our screens and uh, we're seeing curated content, lots of wolves that are designed to upset and scare us. And uh, that's that's been the the trend, the great transition is we don't we're not even when we're together, we're not in community. Yeah, I actually one other thing that you said with your first point, you ended it with, yeah, looking at Fox News. And now I feel even more guilty because I think when I got on my phone, that's the first thing that I jumped to. And David, I don't watch the news, but we're just living in a time right now where like Fox News was covering something that was extremely important. And I knew I needed to tune in, but then I found myself tuning in every like 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting too. I mean, in the early 1960s, if you wanted to follow the news, let's go back 60 years. Sure. If you wanted to watch the news, the, the evening news with Walter Cronkite was 15 minutes long. That's it. That's how, that's how much scre- screen news we got in a day, 15 minutes a day. And you had to be there when it came on. There was no way to watch it later. In 1980, a cable TV mogul by the name of Ted Turner started a new thing called CNN. And all of a sudden, the news was on 24-7. And that's mm-hmm. when it really began drowning in news, drowning in, in world affairs. Let me tell you what that did to us. Uh, what it did is it caused us to uh, constantly be focusing on world affairs. And that's really God's job. God gave us two great commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. But when we're t- tuned into the news, Fox News, CNN, whatever, it, the various websites that serve us news, we're doing God's job. We are worrying about the world and we're ignoring our neighbor. Uh, for you know, the average North American spends nine hours a day watching screen content, not including school and work. And so we're giving every spare moment we have over to news and world affairs, and we're simply ignoring the needs that are around us. I, I'm just disturbed by that statistics. Like nine hours a day we're spending on our screens. And I, I guess I can only follow that up with the question of why is the screen content, all the things that we're looking at, why is it so addictive? Like, why is it that I feel a need to pull out my phone, do a little swipe up, maybe type in my pin if I didn't disable it because it's uh, an extra step mm-hmm. in there that I wish I never had. And what is it? Well, before I get into that, I wanted to tell you where that statistic comes from. It's from Nielsen Media Research. And this was a pre-pandemic survey in 2018. So if we were spending nine hours a day before the pandemic, you can imagine how much time we're spending on our screens now. Um, but what but what's happening is, as I said in the earlier slug, we're, we're, our brains are designed to respond to novelty because novelty can either kill us or it's something we can we can kill. You know, I'm talking about our hunter primitive brain. Yeah. So the, the, the people whose brains responded well to novelty survived and passed their genes down to us. So programmers know this. And so they provide us with a constant stream of novelty. Now, the left-right divide that has come out of the media, uh, you know, in the old days, the media was sort of tried to be balanced. The media no longer tries to do that. It looks for a tribe. And so you have Fox News and the conservative sites on on the right, and you have MSNBC and the liberal newspapers on the left. And what they do is they provide you with a steady stream of news that makes the other side seem stupid or irresponsible so that we can feel this self-righteousness in our heart. Oh, look at those dumb liberals. They're, they're, you know, they want to defund the police or, you know, oh, and we feel so good about ourselves when we look down on others. 
And it's the same on the left. Oh, look at those stupid conservatives. They're afraid of the vaccine or whatever it is. And they look down on the conservatives and they feel better about themselves. So what 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 the media really does is it gives us this ideal platform from which we can throw tomatoes at the other side and feel good about ourselves. Now, that's that's what the Pharisees did. You know, when Jesus came, you had these religious zealots who felt so good about themselves because they they were so much better than everyone else. And what these media outlets do is they give us that opportunity, both the left and the right, to be Pharisees and look down on others. And it, it has infected the church. Uh, that, uh, you know, many Christians kind of skew conservative. And so we, we consume conservative media all day and we look down on others for their foolish beliefs. Uh, you know, in the name of correction, we're actually just feeling better about ourselves. And it's a very dangerous, slippery slope. And it comes across as unloving and it is causing people to uh, it's bringing dishonor to the name of Jesus and pushing people away. Yeah. Wow. That's such a good point. I once heard that in 1969, when we went to the moon, everybody tuned in and was watching the same thing. But now in, let's say, you know, 2021, we can all tune into the news and we are definitely not seeing the same thing. And so to to go with your point, yeah, I mean, I tune in into my little filter bubble and this is all I'm concerned about. And then they're going to, then they're just going to put that on 24 seven, just trying to keep me hooked, trying to keep me into that little tribe. Like you said, just continuously feeding back what I want to see and what I want to see more of and what I, what really reaffirms my own beliefs. So, yeah, well, and yeah, and those are driven by algorithms. Algorithms are the yes men of the internet. What they're going to do is they're going to look over your shoulder while you, while you scroll and search and, and play games or whatever you do. And they're just going to give you more of what you already believe. And so it does. Bubble is a good word for it. It creates this bubble. And we men are particularly susceptible to this because, you know, we're the, we're the warriors. We're looking for an enemy. Yeah. And so we we find our enemy online and then we spend all of our time, you know, surfing the Web and looking for other articles that confirm what we already believe and things that make the other side seem stupid. And that is a very unhealthy thing. A very, I mean, it's a very unloving thing. It's a very unloving way to live life going through trying to justify yourself and, you know, not reaching out to others, not caring about others. All I want to do is make myself feel right. Yeah. Oh man. No kidding. Now, when you say that we're drowning in screen time, what type of screens are you referring to? Is it all screens? What, do you have any statistics for what it looks like? Yeah, the the big four. Actually, the biggest one is still television. We still watch okay. more TV than anyone anything else. Although that's, that's changing surprising. younger younger generation. Yeah, I mean, just plain over the air television is still king, but streaming media is catching up fast. Uh, the nice thing about streaming media is it's a lot of entertainment. It's not a lot of opinion, and it's no commercials. So, I mean, when you watch Marvel on Disney Plus or you, you're going to get a lot less pol- politics and a lot more just plain entertainment, which I think is a lot less incendiary. I mean, there are certain things, of course, there are things on Netflix and stuff that are, you know, quite unhealthy for us to watch. But by and large, the move away from opinion media toward media, just entertainment media is probably a good thing. It's probably keeping us from getting as hyped up as as possible. The other other ones, of course, is just uh, general web surfing uh, is a screen time. Uh, Men are particularly... uh, affected by uh, video gaming. I personally know three men who've lost their marriages to video game addiction. And uh, what's the fourth one? 
Uh, it'll, it'll come to me, but yeah, I'm, when I talk about screen time, I'm talking about all screen use. And Fair there's enough. a distinction I want to make. There, there's passive screen time, lean back screen time versus active screen time, lean forward. And what I mean by, like when you're playing a video game, that's lean forward. You're changing what's happening on the screen. When you're surfing the web, you're changing, you're actively interacting with the screens. You're choosing what you're going to see. That's much more stimulating to the brain than lean back or passive screen time, which is like watching a movie. Uh, where all the decisions were already made for you by a filmmaker. So uh, a lot of people, you know, they say, well, uh, you know, the screen time doesn't affect me because I'm just uh, I'm just surfing the web. Well, that's actually more stimulating to your brain than it would be to sit down and watch a Marvel movie or whatever like that. Wow. So let me ask you this then, David, why is it, well, in your opinion, why is it that men are so much more addicted to video games than women or just why is that the thing that we're drawn to? In the old days, every man was a warrior. I mean, everyone, every man at some point had to pick up arms and repel an invader or marauders or criminals or whatever. I mean, every, you know, posses were common. At some point, every man had to fight a battle. Today, something like less than 2% of Americans are ever active duty military. That's correct. So uh, so what what video games do is they allow us to fulfill the roles as men we always used to do, but are no longer able to do. So wow. you can pick up your controller, pick up Halo and you can blast aliens and, you know, do all these. You can, you know, call of duty, special ops or or, you know, a lot of men aren't particularly athletic. Well, you pick up your controller, you play Madden 2020 and, you know, all of a sudden you're catching 50 yard touchdown passes from Aaron Rodgers. Wow. So you're able to live this fantasy life online and fulfill the roles that men have traditionally fulfilled, but are no longer allowed or able to fulfill. Man, that is so interesting. You're so right too, because we are, it's first person uh, video games, right? Like we are first person view, we're jumping in there and we are taking action, right? We are mm -hmm. in there controlling this figure to do things that our bodies might not even be able to do at that moment or just do it all because we don't have the opportunity to. So that's, man, what a good point. And well, I mean, and don't even get me started on online pornography. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, lot, I, I do want to get you started. Well, okay, so what does that allow us to do? It allows us to have a harem of beautiful women who are under our, at our control 24-7. They're all simulated, yeah. they're not real, but it allows us all to be, one of the terms that I use in the book is uh, digital kings, digital monarchs. We have the powers and perks and prerogatives that only kings used to have. We can order food with a clap of our hands and 30 minutes later, it door dashes to our home. Just like a king who clapped his hands and food appeared on his table. We can have this harem of beautiful women who fulfill our every desire. Uh, we, can, uh, we can send spies out and find intelligence and information about our kingdom. I mean, we're really, I use the example of King David. I tell the parable of the kingdom in, in the beginning of my book. You know, King David went from this humble shepherd where he had no power to the, the uh, palace where he had all these powers. And the powers wrecked him. And I think that's what's happening to men. We build these personal digital kingdoms. We roll up the drawbridge and we live inside these kingdoms during our leisure time. And we're forgetting how to operate in the real world because it doesn't yield to our preferences the way our digital world does. In the digital world, we have complete control over who gets in, what ideas will be tolerated. And in the real world, we have no control. Now, where would men rather be? They'd rather be where they have control. And that's the seduction of the digital world is that we have this kingdom around us and we are in total control. Wow. 
Men want to be where they have control. I mean, that right there is the foundation of almost every single addiction out there. I'm mm-hmm. in control of my destiny. Uh, I'm in control of my libido, my sex drive. I'm in, in control of my intimacy. I'm in control of, you know, how high or not high I am. You know, my emotions, they, wow. Mm-hmm. I, I love yeah. that. And, you know, and I like how you p- tied it in with, you know, being a king, right? Or that king-like feeling. And, and it actually reminds me in Proverbs 30, there's this kind of weird set of verses um, where it says, uh, this is Proverbs 30, verse 21 is where it starts. And it says, under three things, the earth trembles under four, it cannot bear up. So these are things that like are just mm. terrible. Right. And the first one that it says, this is verse 22 of Proverbs 30 it says a servant who becomes a King. Wow. And I, it, I remember, I just, I remembered that verse because when you said that, you know, we are acting like Kings, but in our minds, we we're like slaves, right? We're, we don't have the minds of a King, the minds of the nobility that we actually inherited in Christ. We don't have that realization there. And so we are living as Kings with a mindset of a pauper. Do you get what I'm saying here? You know, I do. It, the, it, I see so many men retreating from real life. They're not building businesses. They're not marrying. They're not, they're not establishing themselves in their careers. Uh, they've just, they've simply given up and they retreated into this fantasy world of pornography and video gaming where they can be tremendously powerful and where they can have control. And it's, it frightens me when I see this generation of men stepping back and, and it's not completely the men's fault. I mean, feminism has definitely cowed men and, you know, every man's an abuser and, you know, it, it's just been the terrible, the messages our boys are receiving now. And, but, but yes, you, you men have to, men have to put themselves out into the world and video games and, and these other video distractions is the perfect way to simply hide in your ha- castle and waste away. There's a scene in the Lord of the Rings as the orcs are descending on Minas Tirith and the king is feasting in his palace, eating tomatoes and having this meal while while the orcs descend. And I think that's where a lot of men are. They're kings and they're locked in their castle and they're not willing to go out and fight the orcs. They're willing, all they're willing to do is, is pleasure themselves inside the castle. And uh, we need warriors in the field and they're simply not doing it because it's so much easier to retreat into the world of screens. Yeah. You know, I wish I can actually get a little bit more data on this, but I want to hear what you think about this, this logic. I've, I have some close family members who, you know, are addicted to the computer, the gaming system and the phone all together, all three at once. Right. Mm -hmm. And what I notice about that individual is that when it comes to something that's, you know, that's very interesting to them for the short time that they are a novice in it, they are just like head over heels. They just dive into it. So it's a very intelligent person. Mm -hmm. But as soon as there's a little bit of difficulty, a little bit of pushback, a little bit of unknown, I feel like that these men that I'm talking about, they kind of retreat and they lack the grit and the tenacity that should be there from the beginning, right? To persevere through difficulties. And I'm wondering how much of it is the fact that they spend all of their lives controlling their success and controlling mm-hmm. their efforts through, through digital mediums. What do you think? I th- yeah, no, I think you've really put your finger on something here because 
I mean, you, you've played video games before, right? Uh, yeah, I tried to stay away from it, but yeah, I'm not very good. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not either. But but with video games, uh, you'll you'll start off very easy and it, the game gets progressively harder. But each step is just a small step, you know, maybe one extra alien or maybe, uh, you know, whatever the game is, you've got Call of Duty. Maybe there's uh, the army's a little bit that you're fighting is a little bit more has a better weapon or something. But they, right. but they bring you along so gradually that you that you're not going to quit the game. That's the key. Um, life doesn't work that way. I mean, when your car breaks down, all of a sudden you're faced and you've never repaired a car or you've never you know, dealt with a garage or whatever. You have to deal with a whole new set of circumstances. And life is not going to bring you along incrementally like a video game would. And so I think that's what we're seeing in young men is they are used to life that brings them along gradually, that introduces new aliens one by one instead of dozens at a time, um, you know, never being rejected by a woman. Well, online with pornography, you're never going to be rejected as long as you're putting, you know, dollars into that machine. Uh, but being rejected, you know, asking for a date and a woman disses you or leaves you or whatever, you know, that's a very hard thing. And you have to learn that through practice that, you know, it's not the end of the world that you, you know, you can put yourself back out there and there'll be another one along soon. And that's a, the lesson I learned when, when I was a young man, because I had no alternative. So, yeah, I think you've really put your finger on something valuable here is that the, the world does not operate the way video operates. And people who have immersed themselves in this video world expect it to operate that way. And when it doesn't, they, they simply can't handle it. Yeah. And so, I mean, just to tie in all of this, there's obviously effects that are going to spill over in every area of life. You mentioned a few and, you know, men pursuing businesses, uh, pursuing just growth in their work, uh, even building right? Yeah, how is it yeah, that you see this? Yeah. How is it that you see this affecting relationships? How is it that you see? I know you mentioned some guys that you know that whose marriages ended because of video game addiction, but just me as a regular, you know, 20, 20 something year old or our listeners here, maybe we, we know that we spend a little bit too much time on Instagram, on our phones, doing whatever, playing games on our phones. Like how is this affecting the things that are the people that we love most? Okay, well, let's go back to the example of King David. Okay. When David was a little boy growing up in a, a village outside of Bethlehem, you know, and he's maybe 11 years old and the hormones are starting to surge through his body and he's starting to notice the girls. How many girls do you think he had to notice? Five, six. He's living in maybe. this little village, you know, maybe six girls or whatever that are his age or around his age that he could maybe that he's maybe starting to fantasize about being with or whatever. You know how boys do, right? Well, how many do you, do young men have now? I mean, literally tens of thousands. If you can download, uh, what is this uh, swipe lefts? What's it called? Um, yeah, what's that? Uh, Tinder. 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 Yeah, you can download right. Tinder. You can download Tinder and you can you can swipe literally thousands of faces in a single day. And these are actual women who are in your area. You know, these are not just fantasy girls. Um, so what it's doing is it's telling our brains that there are literally hundreds and thousands of choices. There's not five or six girls to choose from. Pick one of those and settle down with her. And so what it's doing, it's causing alpha males and you know males who are good looking or maybe have money or power prestige they're playing the field and they have an unlimited field of what are called tinderellas uh women that they can you know play with but never settle down with 
and it's causing the men who are, you know, maybe beta males or lower status males to just, uh, you know, satiate their desires or believe that there's unlimited choice, but never actually, they become incels. They, they uh, never actually date a woman or, or, or meet a woman because, you know, all the women are going after the alpha males. It's really distorting. Screen time is distorting the dating market uh, in ways that we never have. You know, in the old days, it was a, it was arranged marriage. You know, you, somebody would just a matchmaker would pick one of the six women in the village and that's who you married and you were stuck with them. But this unlimited choice is really starting to uh, cause men, especially alpha males, to postpone commitment. And, you know, the average age of first marriage is going up. It's 29 for men and 27 for women now. And so men are just they're just not building early. They're playing early and it's causing uh, problems down the road. Yeah. No, I see that. And you know what? I had a buddy who contacted me on his way to a wedding and he said, guess what? Me and my wife just found out that we were pregnant and I was so happy for him. Mm -hmm. Just ecstatic. And I just remember that day because they've been trying for a while and I'm like, all right, we'll talk after the wedding, you know? And so that finishes it. And I, I talked to him a couple months later and his wife hadn't even given birth yet. And I brought up that friend whose wedding he went to. And he had told me how that, how that marriage had already dissolved. Oh no. And so you're talking about two people in their, in their twenties who are saying, Hey, yes, I do. Let's come together. Let's do this thing. But before a child is even born, so less than nine months, they married and dissolved the wedding. So they moved in and moved out, moved away Mm -hmm. from each other, you know? Mm -hmm. So it, it is disturbing to see how much relationally we are suffering because we are we throw ourselves into these illogical and empty pursuits virtually and don't actually invest time into the things around us that matter. I remember hearing an old couple say, you know, we've been together for so long and somebody's like, well, how, how did you do it? And it's like, well, it's only because when I, when I grew up, if you had one dishwasher, I'm sorry, if you had one washing machine and it broke, you fixed it. You fix that washing machine because it's the only one that you had. But today, guess what, David? I'm on like my third washing machine. <laughs> you know? Yeah, your well, your clothes are really dirty. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you can imagine, right? You can imagine the the disparity there between well, how it yeah. was then, how it is now. Yeah, and and I tell you, men men are starting to watch porn at age 11, 12. It's giving them such a distorted reality of what sex and love should be. Right. And these poor women are coming into these marriages with these this, these men who have just completely just just wretched views of what love is. And so, you know, this un, this unrealistic view of what sex and love should be is also causing a lot of marriages to end prematurely because these men just can't adjust their expectations to what they've seen in the fantasy world of pornography. And it's it's tragic what's going on. Yeah. I heard somebody say this before and I, I, I swore to myself that this is something that I would follow. He said, uh, whenever the time comes where a boy tries to come to my house and tries to date my, my little girl, the first question I'm going to ask him is when's the last time you watched pornography mm-hmm. and just stare at him right in the eyes and wait for that mm-hmm. answer. And I'm like, you know what? Unfortunately I have to ask that question because yeah, like you said, age 11 and sometimes younger and, and, to give you, I mean, a piece of my story, I was exposed to pornography by the age of five, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's just, 
that was normal in my culture. <laughs> yeah. No, it finds so, you. Yeah. 100%. But we're worried about the completely opposite. We're worried about other things, right? In our world, except for that thing that tears down the fab, the fabric of the family. And yeah, and yeah, yeah. no, that's not, that is so important. Um, and, and I would say I'm, this is a immense podcast, but I'm actually right after this, I'm going to get on Instagram and say this to the women that do follow me. Like if you are looking for a man or if you are interested, right. In dating and finding that man, the, the first thing you need to do is establish the rules around screens, right? Mm-hmm. Like what is this actually going to look like when you guys come together, when you guys uh, decide to make this a, a forever thing, because the screens really, really take a toll on a marriage when you, when you just kind of do it like, Hey, yeah, it's whatever. It's just something I've always done. It's just a routine. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Now we've talked a lot about the problem. um, And I'm Mm -hmm. wondering if, if maybe, I don't know how much you can go into some of the possible solutions uh, for a 20, 30 year old man uh, looking to get better. Yeah. Well, I mean, you got to detox. I mean, if you are a heavy screen user, you have to do in the macro what you were talking about in the micro. You it, about your experience when you kicked off this podcast, talking about yeah. sitting in the airport and not using your screens. You simply have to get better at being bored in real life, mm. and you've got to redevelop the ability to the ability that all of us had until two thousand and seven to occupy our minds uh, without having a screen in front of us, and yeah. So there's some of the practical uh, skills that I, or ways that I talk about this. If you are a family man, for example, one of the things I say is you can get to the 50 yard line real quick by going screen-free after dinner. So I tell dads, moms, uh, and you collect all the screens, you turn off all the TVs, you put, put away all the iPads at dinner time, and they don't come out again until the next morning. Put them on a charging station in your bedroom so the kids can't get them. And in the evenings, you go screen free and you build, uh, you know, blanket forts and you, you do family stuff in the evening. If you're going to the only screen activity I would endorse would be family movie night. Uh, again, because that's lean back screen time and it's something you can do together. You know, watch a good, wholesome film together. Nothing wrong with that. But other than that, screen free after dinner. Um You've got to and and you've got to practice the art of being present in the world and looking around you and being the one who's situationally aware. You said you're active duty military. What's one of the first things they teach you? Be being situationally aware, looking around the room, seeing what what you have at hand. Uh, you've got to practice that in just regular in non-military situations in real life. You just walk into a room and see who's there. Where's the door? Where's the exit? Um, who can I pray for? Uh, every start every morning with prayer and say, God, today, help me take my eyes off my screens and make me situationally aware of the people I should be praying for, of the people I should be helping, you know, uh, practicing your faith by being situationally aware rather than uh, having your nose in your screen is another great thing you can do. Yeah, and th- those are awesome tips right there and, and very actionable, right? Because the first thing that we that we do in such a daunting task with such a daunting task is look at it and say, well, that's kind of big. Maybe that's for tomorrow, but no, tonight, right mm-hmm. today. Yeah. After today. listening to this, you set yourself up for success, and like you said, get to the fifty yard line just by deciding when it is that you're going to turn it off and sticking mm-hmm. to it. 
Now, I, but I, let's let's be honest, David, I, and I'll be honest with you and my listeners. I've done this 217 times, right? Told myself <laughs> I'm going to leave my phone in a certain place and I'm not going to touch it. Or a big one, uh, I'm not going to bring my phone into the marriage bed, right? My my phone <laughs> does not come into my intimacy space. And then, you know, you find one reason or another to be more productive uh, or to be, you're a little bit too bored. And so you sneak it in, Mm -hmm. but I encourage you guys. Yeah. Like this is not a thing that you are going to tackle on your own. Like, no, invite Holy spirit in and say, Lord, Mm -hmm. you know, my desires for you, you know, that I want to grow as a man. I want to become the man that you created me to be. Will you lead me in this? What are your thoughts, David? That we definitely need to involve God in the process. And, you know, like you said, it won't be easy. It's it's like any other uh, season of repentance. It's not like we give our sin over to the Lord and then it's instantly it, God. God forgives the sin, but we still deal with it. We still struggle with it often. Right. But eventually we do find victory. So, yeah. Um, and you need to just recognize what's happening to your brain. You are stimulating your brain with dopamine, just as you would if you were, you know, smoking a joint or drinking alcohol. It's another addictive uh, brain altering chemical process going on when you're looking at screens. And I think take an inventory. I mean, since think about yourself in 2007 and, your, and yourself now, do you weigh more? I mean, have you have you become kind of a doughboy from sitting on the couch? Uh, you know, I mean, get mad at yourself uh, for what screens have done. Has is your sexual intimacy greater now than, than or, or has pornography dulled that? I mean, do an honest search of your life and take an, take an inventory. And has all this screen time improved or made your situation worse? And you know, just get mad and give that anger over to God and ask Him to help you. Just be honest with yourself about these things. And I think that's some of the first steps that we as men need to take to reestablish dominion over our attention. And instead of giving that dominion over to the producers of screen content. Yeah, no, and I love how you said that dominion, that word, man, so good and so appropriate. I think it's, it's looking at the situation, right? As you're doing your self-assessment. And doing this uh, battle space flip, right? So as a battle space commander, the tendency mm-hmm. is to sit on one side of the map, looking at where all your forces are, looking at mm-hmm. the enemy, viewing it from where you are and where you're advancing from. And you never walk to the other side of the table to view your position from the enemy standpoint. Mm. And that right there is invaluable. I mean, the moment that you step onto the other side, you start seeing your weaknesses your soft spots, the places where you're most vulnerable, the places where he can now come and flank you, even though from your side, you know, you see it, you see your strengths, you see where you're doing good and how fast Mm -hmm. you're advancing. Uh, Mm -hmm. And and so, yeah, like guys pay attention to the fact that, Oh, by the way, there's, there's an enemy who is lurking like a lion, right? He's not going to show up in a pitchfork, but he might show Mm. up as that attractive girl in the bikini who you swiped left on or whatever way you swipe. I don't know. I've never, uh, I'm not up to date on those. Yeah. (laughs) And and it comes up as a new call of duty, right? Because that new call of duty now steals 1.5 hours a day from your, from your family. And now your children are being fed by someone else 1.5 hours out of the day. And Hey, guess what? Return on investment is high when your children are being taught morally by someone else who you would never allow into your own house. 
Yeah. Kids grow up so fast and, uh, you know, they need dad, they need, they need mom, they need time with their parents. And if you're constantly being distracted by screens or, you know, one of the other things that I tell people is a lot of people grew up with television on in the house all the time. That was my thing. If if the, if the Murrow family was awake, the television was on, we started every morning with the today show and we landed every day with the tonight show. And, (laughs) and so a lot of people just have this mentality. The moment I come in, I have to turn the TV on. Don't do that. Uh, you don't have to have the TV on. You've got to learn to live in silence. Why is it important to live in silence? Because that's where God speaks to us. That's when the Holy Spirit speaks to our heart. He's not speaking to us when we're watching the latest calamity on on television. He yeah. speaks to us in that still, small voice. So, you know, put some gentle, relaxing music on in the house while you're doing your chores. And uh, just just spend time with God. This is what this Christian stuff is all about. It's about tuning into the Holy Spirit and 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 being in communion with Him instead of in communion with the the uh, world affairs. That's so good. That's so good, man. I, I'm just picturing. I'm picturing myself on my deathbed, and and maybe this is a helpful tool for somebody else. I mean, just picture yourself on your deathbed and. Think of the things that you're going to wish you did a little bit more of. And I guarantee it's never going to come into my mind that I wish I would have spent 10 more minutes on Instagram or 15 more minutes searching the web or five more minutes watching a YouTube video. So, man, I, I'm convicted, David. I'm convicted. Um, and, and listeners, I hope you guys are. And I hope you guys were fed by this. And that Holy Spirit begins to speak to you, to your family in a way that you can respond to it right now. Um, David, I want these guys to head over to wherever they can find you and immediately connects with you and with your content. Where is that? How can they get a hold of you? Well, unfortunately, you're going to have to use a screen, but uh, I would encourage you to contact me and then get off of it. Uh, DavidMurrow.com is my website. And then also Church for Men, which is the site I launched from my first book, which is Why Men Hate Going to Church. We didn't even have a chance to talk about that one. But uh, that's that's another place to find me is at churchformen.com. That's right. And uh, also, uh, as the ultimate hypocrite, I also run a very uh, uh, active Facebook page. Again, get on and get off. But uh, that's at uh, Church for Men also on Facebook. Church for Men.